0: But regardless, that sucker would be that thick, and you'd just look through and you'd just dream about all the different toys. And the anticipation for Christmas would build and build and build and build. And I didn't understand it. I told you the story many times. I didn't understand it. We were not a wealthy family. In fact, we were just, you know, dad, dad decided to have eight kids, and you're not rich when you have eight kids. Uh, you're just not. So anyways, we had, we had well, mom decided too. It's like a joint decision, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Judy got it, I mean, you know, but anyway, and so, and so we, you know, Christmas was like, you know, so amazing because we didn't, I didn't understand at the time how mom and dad did it, but they always got all these toys for us. I mean, we would go through and we'd make this kind of a list out of this catalog and amazingly, uh, so much of it appeared Christmas morning. And of course, I found out later on, uh, it was through general finance and American finance and. All of that. They went out and borrowed money so we could have a wonderful Christmas. And that means so much to me now, looking back on the sacrifice they made, planning ahead for Christmas. Well, that just lines up beautifully with what God did. With what God did. You know, see, God anticipated the need for Christmas. He knew it was coming. He knew before the foundation of the world was laid, He knew the need that there needed to be a Christmas and so when you go back to Genesis chapter 3 and, and you're there in Genesis chapter 3 and, and Adam and Eve are hiding in the bushes, they've sinned and their nakedness is covered with their, with their frail fig leaves and, and, then we, and, and here comes God walking in the garden and what have you done? Have you ate, eaten of the tree? Yes, we did. And we go on, we hear the story and it says this, it says that, okay, okay, here's how it's going to play out, God says. He looks at the serpent and says, you know, there's coming a time. And he is going to bruise your head. And you will bruise his heel. And it's looking forward to a time, God was saying, when a, when a redeemer was coming. And he was going to ultimately slay the dragon. That's the end of the story, folks. Yeah, come on. That's the end of the story. We win. God wins. When, next time that you're tempted to believe that Satan's going to win, you just remember what the book says. And the book says, God wins. Okay, God wins, and and th- but 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 there was going to be a time when, when when Satan would have a part in slay or excuse me bruising the heel of the Redeemer, and that's the cross. It's the crucifixion. It was a promise that blood was going to be spilt, and sin was sin was going to be forgiven. You know, the payment for for sin is death. You know, someone something had to die for sin. It, it couldn't be bought with gold or silver or precious stones. The the payment for sin was death. And God, God laid out the, the price for sin, the judgment and price for sin, and then paid the price. And then paid the price. It's just amazing. And, and they're there in the garden. If you'd have heard carefully, you'd have heard him say, He's coming. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Just like the Spiegel catalog said, Christmas is coming. Just like the Sears and Roebuck catalog said, Christmas is coming. So the Word of God says, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. We fast forward a little bit and we go to Abraham. And Abraham finally has the promised son, Isaac. And God says, take Isaac up on the hill and and take some wood and take a knife. And you're going to offer him as a sacrifice to me. And amazingly, you know, Abraham didn't understand that, but he trusted God. He believed God because he knew the promise was that, that, that nations would be blessed through him and through his seed. And Isaac was the only seed. And he did not know if God was going to deliver Isaac or if God was going to resurrect Isaac. But he knew this, he and Isaac were coming back down on the mountain alive. But he had to trust God. So he goes up there and he lays Isaac out on the altar. He has the wood ready and he raises his hand with his knife in his hand to slay his only son. To slay his only son. And then an angel says, don't touch the boy. Now I know that you respect me. And and Abraham looked over in the bushes. And there was the ram. There was the sacrifice that God provided. And it said, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. And when the children of Israel were in Egypt and God sent Moses there. And God gave the instructions. And said the death angel is going to pass through the, the village tonight. And what you need to do is you've got to take a, a lamb. And you've got to slay that lamb. Each family or group of families will take a lamb and you need to slay this. You need to slay this. And, and you need to spill the blood. And then you need to take a hyssop branch. And you need to, to put it on, the hyssop, and on the, door, the hyssop bush on the door. And to put that innocent blood there. And if you put the blood on the door, the death angel will pass over you tonight. And if you'd listen carefully, you'd have heard Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. If you fast forward just a little bit more, and you saw how God developed the sacrificial system, and lambs were offered, Nan, and rams were offered, and pigeons were offered, and blood was spilt. If you had gone every time there was a sacrifice of a lamb or a ram or a dove, what you would have heard very clearly and softly would have been, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. If you'd have gone through and read the Psalms and been part of those worship services, and what we have now is the Book of Psalm in, in the Old Testament. It's the Jewish hymn book, the Jewish hymn book. And if you listen carefully, in so many of those songs, it says Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming. And then if you go listen to the prophets, all the prophets are just filled, Elaine, with the great word that Christmas is coming. Charles Wesley knew that. In 1745, he wrote these words. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, thou art dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king born to reign in us forever now thy gracious kingdom bring by thy own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone by thy merit by thy all sufficient merit raise us to thy glorious throne christmas was coming and guess what it came it came folks and be excited about that don't don't lose the anticipation don't don 't lose the childlike faith of Christmas now, as our brother said, our calendars are just stuffed full I mean at, at, at Dorsville, there 's virtually something every week and sometimes the events in the week and and then of course, in our individual lives there 's all these things going on don 't rush and miss christmas don 't rush and miss Christmas, enjoy the long anticipated birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something that God planned before the foundation of the world. Don't miss the joy and wonder of Christmas. Now what I want to do tonight is, with that introduction, is go ahead and take your Bibles and look into Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 2. Um, Isaiah chapter 9 verse number 2, the first part. And we're just going to look a little bit about what all this wonder is about. What is all this wonder about? It's often hard, it's hard for us to imagine life without Jesus. We, we, often, we often hear these words at funerals. How do people face the tragedy of death without a God? And we all wonder at that. Well, most of us have been saved long enough. We've forgotten what it's like to be without God. We've forgotten what life without Jesus was. Well, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 2, the very first part, says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Now, again, how many of you have ever been in a very dark place and then you go into sudden light? It's almost blinding, isn't it? It's almost blinding. Well, Isaiah says in a spiritual way that the people, because of Christmas, because of Christmas, the people who have long walked in spiritual darkness are going to see this great light. And in fact, in John chapter 8 and verse number 12, here's what Jesus says Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Now let that wonder just soak in. I, Jesus says, I, in this darkness, in this dark world of sin and brokenness and pain and sorrow, he says, I am the light of the world. And anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. The days, when you meet Jesus, the days of darkness are over. Now, you got to be careful because we have this propensity, this tendency to want to dim the light or turn out, you know, I, I'm a big light person. I am sure if you drive by my house at night, you say that brother Dwayne he must own Amron. I think I have 13 lights burning all the time in my house. I mean, 24 seven. I have lights in my house, in the house. I have lights on my garage. I have lights in my front door and my back door. And now Miss Judy said we will have lights on the fence, and we guess what? We have lights on the fence. So you say, man, he must own the electrical company. But you know, there's t- light as ambience. And soft light, now guys, you need to remember this. There's that bright light, but then there's that ambient light. And I'm going to tell you a secret. Your wife usually likes ambient light when you turn it down. Well, we have a tendency as Christians to want to tone down the brightness of God's light. Don't do that. Let the light of Jesus shine brightly in your life throughout this holiday season. Don't resist the temptation to turn the light down, rather turn the light up. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And if we walk, okay, those are, if you walk in the darkness, you'll always have now, because of Christ, the light of life. And then the second part of that verse says this. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. We don't remember living in the light in the land of death. Because see, the Bible says clearly that before Jesus, we were dead in trespasses and sin. And, and we forgot what that was like. I mean, isn't it cool, you know, that we're going to go home. Terry, I'm going to go home tonight. And I'm going to lay my, down, my, my head down on my pillow. And if I die in the night, first off, you can't have none of my stuff. Okay? I'm not sure you want any of it, but you can't have any, okay? But I want your red car if you kick, okay? But I'm going to lay my head down on my pillow, and guess what? I have no fear that if that were to happen, where I'm going. I don't have to fear death because of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need to remember that there's people out there that even though they may not... This is goes back to this morning. Even though they may not understand and recognize it, there's so many people that live in fear around us. And, you know, I, I took this thought came to my mind. I took Psalm 23, 4. Okay? Now here's what it says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. I took that verse. And I said, what would it look like without Jesus? And here's how it comes out. Yea, though I walk... Wait, 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 wait. Without Jesus, you don't walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You live in the valley of the shadow of death. See, I think I told you this one time. When I first was thinking about coming to Dorisville, Jean and I said one time, let's drive over to Harrisburg and see what it looks like. We didn't get up on the right part of town because we left going, I'm not sure we want to live there. <laughs> It was the wrong part of town. I'm just saying. We really do like living here. I mean, oh, oh. Anyway, so, so when, when, when the author says, I walk through the valley, imagine a life where you lived in the valley of the shadow of death. There was no getting out. It wasn't a temporary thing. It was a permanent thing. Yea, though I walk through the valley the shadow of death. I fear no evil. But God, you would fear evil. Imagine a life in constant fear. That's what your neighbor without Jesus, Connie, that's what your neighbor in Jesus lives with. Constant fear. He's not camping in in the valley of the shadow of death. He lives in the valley of the shadow of death. And he's he's not temporarily feeling fear. He feels fear all the time. The life without Jesus. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But wait. Without Jesus, he's not with you. Without Jesus... There's no one stronger than death. Without Jesus, there's no one stronger than sickness. Without Jesus, there's no no one stronger than the future. Imagine a life like that. You are with me. Your rod and your staff. We talked about it before. The, The rod was an instrument of protection that the shepherd would use to drive away wild animals. The staff was one where the shepherd would guide the sheep. But without Jesus, there's no protection. Without Jesus, there's no guidance. They comfort me. But without Jesus, there's no comfort. We need to understand that's where our neighbors live. That's where we did live. And we should not live there now. But that's where our neighbors live. And that was was life-like for Isaiah 9-2. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death. That's what life is like for them. But it doesn't have to be that way because of the power of the gospel. Because of the power of the gospel. He goes on and says this in verse uh, chapter nine, verse six. Chapter nine verse six. For unto us, the prophet says, a child is born, and unto us a son is given. There's the promise of a child and a son, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. in other words, he shall have ruling authority this this child and this son is going to reign like no other king before. I love Galatians chapter four verse four, another great Christmas scripture that's not in Matthew uh, or Luke, okay it says, when the time came to completion, you know I was thinking I, 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 I keep telling y'all, I'm amazed at the new music. Okay? And I finally figured out why. Okay? I was, I, I love the King James Version to this day. I was raised on King James, the beauty of it. When I quote a verse that I learned a long time ago, it comes out in King James Version. It's, it's a beautiful poetic translation of the Bible. But what I found out is, is one reason why I've moved to other translations is that it helps me understand better. And I finally figured out, David, that sometimes the words of the new music helps me understand the theology of grace much better. And, and, I, and, and we'll sing a, a set of words, and I'm going, Oh, wow, that helps me so see uh, what I needed to see. Well, this is, this is exactly what happens here with Galatians chapter 4. It's a beautiful picture. It shows to us this wonderful picture of Christmas. It says, When the, when the time came in completion, or as the King James would say... When the fullness of time came at just the right time, at just the right time, God had a, had a time picked out when the Roman roads would be in place, the Greek language would be in place. I mean, he chose 2000 years ago, not arbitrarily, but exactly when he thought it was. Okay. When the time came to completion, well, the fullness of time came, God sent his son. Yes, yeah, amen. Come on. Say amen. God sent his son. And I love this. I wrote it down, and he sent him into express danger. I mean, if you have a if you had like a if you had a child, would you ever send them into express danger? Well, God did. I mean, he sent his son Jesus into the world. Now you don't miss this. You let this bless your heart. God sent his son you know, starting with the first Christmas and ending with with the Good Friday and Easter, okay, He sent His Son into express danger for you. And for you. And for us. And you know why? He loved us. I'm going to quit preaching if y'all don't say amen. Oh wait, I can't do that. You'll quit for sure. You know, in the fullness of time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, Born under the law to redeem those under the law. Born born to fulfill the law for those of us who never could. So that we might receive the adoption as sons. In the fullness of time, he sends a son that we might receive the adoption of sons. All the rights, all the privileges of being a child of God. I love that. I love that. All the rights, all the privileges from day one of being a child of God. And then he goes, because you are sons... God sent the Spirit of His Son to our hearts, crying, what is it? Abba, Father. Now again, try to imagine. Imagine you're a Jewish boy or a Jewish man, and you weren't even allowed to say the name of God. If you could write, if you could write, when you wrote the name of God, you would intentionally misspell it, because to spell it correctly was blasphemy. That's how reverent God, that's how distant God was. And here comes Jesus. He dies on a Roman cross. He sheds his blood. He pays the price for sin. We come into relationship with God and we come as sons. We receive the adoption of sons. And Paul says that we can call him Abba, Father, Dearest Father. And by the way, the only other one to call God, Dearest Father, was his son, Jesus Christ. And when he died and resurrected and we are brought into relationship, we had the right to call the same words, Abba, Father, Dearest Father. Now, that's a Christmas present. When you could call the creator of the universe, dearest father, that's a pretty good deal. I think that'll preach. So you're no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave. I am a child of God. Wow. No longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then God has made you an heir. How about that? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And then in Isaiah 9, 6. I was waiting for you to break into this tonight, buddy. <laughs> and his name shall be called Wonderful. Or, for he is more than wonderful. I was waiting for you to break into it, man. I know he loves Sandy Patty. Uh, amen? He's more than wonderful. His name is Wonderful and Counselor and Mighty God and Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And you know, Tyler, what the song says. He's more than everything to me. And that's, that's who Jesus is. He's more than everything to me. Can I have an amen? amen? Isn't that great? Merry Christmas. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. It's not... The guy in the red suit, although that's part of our traditions, it's not the guy with the red nose. What's up with red anyway? The red nose, that's part of our traditions, but it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Therefore, in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. He'll give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. What's that mean? God with us. Don't run past it. God with us. I had to put it in bigger words. Hear it for the first time. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God in a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. This will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Listen to this last scripture. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And dwelt among us. And dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Full of grace. And full of truth. So Christmas is here. Let's celebrate it. Kathy. Let's celebrate it. Let's celebrate. That the father. Sent his son. Into express danger. For us. He somehow. Counted us worthy. Of the ultimate price. Of his son's death. He loved us. Let's celebrate that this Christmas. Would you join me in a word of prayer? As we pause and get ready to sing, and we're going to sing, I think, that song that I read. Um, As we get ready to, to sing this, before we do, just take just a moment. And would you thank God for Christmas? That God sent His Son to express danger for us. That before the foundation of the world was laid, Jesus came and was willing to die. It's as if it already happened before the foundation of the world was laid. That it was not a plan gone awry, it was a plan perfectly executed. That he would live a sinless life and die and pay the price for our sins. Let's celebrate that this Christmas. Our sermon series this year, I told you, is always, well, it has been for several years based on the Song of Christmas. And we're going to use the Mary Did you know song as the basis because it tells so many different stories of Jesus. So over the next Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, we're going to have a catalog, a Spiegel catalog, if you will, of the life of Jesus and the various miracles and things that he did. And we're going to celebrate who he is and who he was. Now, if you're here tonight and you never, all this is new, you're going, who's Jesus, you know, and what's he got to do with me? And I would love to share with you tonight exactly who he is. How he was the son of God and how he really did die for our sins. You know, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And that the payment for sin was death. God named the payment, the price, and then paid it. And anyone Anyone who's willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus, believing He is who He is, and He did what He did, and willing to turn from their sin and follow Him, can have forgiveness of sin. Can have the right to call Creator God, dearest Father. It's pretty amazing. And we'd love to tell you about that tonight. So as we sing this song, and again, I think it's one I read earlier. As we sing this, just sing with all your heart. Come, thou long-expected Jesus thy long-expected Jesus. God, we love you tonight and we do thank you for who you are and what you did for us. The great plan of Christmas from before time began that we could be redeemed, rescued, bought back from the market of sin because you loved us so much. We love you, Jesus. And we celebrate you tonight and pray in your name.